Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Full Seam Ahead. We are coming to you at the conclusion of an Astros sweep of a division rival, the Seattle Mariners. Came close to shutting them out the whole series, didn't quite get there, but we will be happy with three straight wins, looking to make it four tomorrow night when the Tigers come to town. We're going to recap that series with you here tonight. We're going to preview this upcoming series with Detroit, take you, give you the Astros roundup, news from within the organization, and then we'll wrap up, as always, with Around the League. Uh, when we had our last episode, the first game of the Seattle series was underway. That was the Game 1 uh, 3-0 win from the Astros. We saw home runs from Air Jordan and the Kid JP3. When we walked into Game 2, we walked out with another win. And Lorenzo, it was Dusty Baker's 2,000th career win as a manager. Yes, it was. Um, started managing in 1993 with the San Francisco Giants and being able to do a 2022 with the Houston Astros, a huge accomplishment, getting them 2,000 wins. Um, we have a little seg, not little segment, but like a little, you know, outline of his career coming later on through the podcast. But um, 2,000 wins, yeah. It was a great uh, accomplishment for Dusty. I'm pretty sure for his whole family as well. But... Um, I mean, let's jump into it. Christian Javier, five and a third, two hits, zero earned runs, two walks, and four strikeouts. So my prediction was almost close. I mean, it was almost there. I, I did say he was going to get yep. through five innings. Yeah, but you did. Uh, I, I think the walk – no, I got the walks right. I think I said two walks. Um, the hits, I thought he would have got hit a little bit more. But, hey, better than I, – I said six, and he had two. So, I mean, this is way better than I predicted. But, um, yeah, shoved it. And just yeah. starting pitching continues to show. And you know, like his line, his line is good. If you watch him, he got a little more contact than I think we've we've gotten used to seeing from Javier. Not as many strikeouts. Only got only got four, which I mean, obviously still respectable over five and a third. Uh, but still solid outing for his his second start of the season. How many pitches did he throw? Did you get that? I um, no, I did not. I know he, I he threw eighty five pitches in his first start. And so I was interested to see, um, let's see, he threw. Let's see, I'm looking right now too, um, 87 pitches, 52 yeah. strikes. So right right around that same mark again, I'm sure we'll kind of see him there. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's creating an interesting situation, especially with, you know, Javier doing well, but with Odorizzi coming back into peak form, it looks like over these last two series, hopefully we can keep that trend continuing. Uh, it's going to create an, an interesting situation when we move back to a five-man rotation if we get through this this real rough stretch here in May or when McCullers comes back, if we stick with the six, if we go down to the five. Uh, either way, I think right now we could feel comfortable having a a really strong rotation and a versatile option headed to the bullpen as well. Yeah, it definitely was a good sign, you know, from our starting pitch in this series. We really needed it against Seattle as well. Being one of those AOS foes and, you know, fan predicting they're going to win the AOS. But, um, yeah, I agree. Christian Javier, his second start, you know, two wins already under his belt. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was really good to see him be able to continue his pitching. And um, But the the whole thing with the strikeouts, too, like you said, he, he has pitched for a lot of strikeouts. Um, when we talk about JV's uh, outing, you, you could see as well. I mean, Seattle's been hitting the ball, but, you know, just at us and, you know, getting them little ground balls that we like to get. Yeah, and Seattle's also been one of the most patient teams at the plate this year. They lead Major League Baseball in walks, or they, they did um, as of yesterday. And also, it didn't help Javier that he had an idiot behind home plate calling balls and strikes. Oh, dude, do not get me started with these guys. Uh, we just talked about it last podcast yeah. with the shit show that we had, and it just, you know, it just continues. We got our own little thing about them coming around yeah. the league uh, later in our podcast. But, yeah, I mean, CJ Buck, CB Buckner was just bad for both teams. And you could tell yeah, J.P. Crawford even, like, showed his frustration after a called strike, on, on a strike three call. And that ball was way outside, and he was just—I I was shocked that he didn't even get thrown out of the game. But yeah, I mean, he just—he was just—he was just basically giving it to him, just telling him, "Hey, be consistent in the strike zone, please." Because I mean, both teams were going through the same, you know, BS kind of shit that he was calling. And I mean, I think even Buckner knew himself because if he would have, if Crawford would have done that, 
uh, with any other home plate umpire, he would have been thrown out, I think. Yeah, and, and I mean, the Astros themselves only struck out four times, and two of those were Maldonado. But you got when you have Michael Brantley arguing balls and strikes, you know you're doing a bad job. And he didn't. He never struck out, but I mean, there were multiple times when he, he got behind in the count on pitches where he there should have been balls. And when when you got a, a veteran like that who is known for his uh, play discipline and his presence, if he's arguing with you, you're probably wrong. Yeah, I mean, definitely. He's one. You know, he's a professional hitter. He's one of the most play disciplined players that we have on the team, including Bregman himself. Um, but yeah, completely. You, if you see Michael Brantley just talking to the Blues, because after a strikeout or anything like that, he'll just walk back to the dugout like a bread, like a you know a major league baseball player does. Some do yeah. get you know out of hand, some don't. But when Michael Brantley has to discuss something about you know talking about the umps, that's when you know something's going wrong with these home plate umpires. Yep, and so again, Brantley and, and Bregman both went 0 for 4, but neither of them struck out. You know, obviously you're going to have those days. Uh, that's a rare day for Michael Brantley to go 0 for 4. Um, it's not rare for him to not strike out. The guy, like you just said, play discipline is his game. Uh, does not strike out a lot, but both of them going 0 and 4 didn't really help. But the rest of the offense picked him up. We saw Altuve get his first home run coming back from injury, putting one in the Crawford boxes. Your Don stayed hot with a deep home run to center field. Uh, and I think, was that his fourth over the last five games? Yep, four of his last five, just God. hitting them dongs, man. He, just... He's le- leading the team with eight home runs. He's he's on track for 60-plus, 60, 60 I want to say. Um, yeah. And, you know, no one's talking about him. No, no one's really talking about the guy, you know, who's hitting bombs in Houston, but oh well. Yeah, I saw a stat that he was, I think he's the next fat if he could get he's getting close to getting 100 home runs I, I can't think of how many home runs he has at the top of my head right now you know total in his career but he's close to being one of the fastest knowing ryan howard from the philadelphia phillies is um right now one of the had the most um 100 home runs being the quickest guy to get in like 300 something games i want to say yeah, but uh, Alvarez is checking Alvarez that way. has he has sixty nine home runs. Nice, nice. Yeah, over nice. two hundred and fifty two career games. Yeah, so he, I, oh man, I think he if he could play healthy and if he has a great season this year, I think he could catch it. I would say this year to be under three hundred games. To be under three and how many? Well, how if you can? He's, he's got. I mean, he's got. He's got. He's got forty eight games left to three hundred, and he would need to hit. 31 home runs in that stretch that's that's pretty crazy that's a lot of home runs yeah unless you know manfred gives the okay with these juice balls then hey I mean, he could, we could be seeing that thanks they were i'm telling you they, they, they are. are so i mean we could see a trend going into that direction um when it comes to the summertime yeah and I, th- I think in both of these first two really this whole series the evidence of the, of the dead balls was there were so many balls and even really both sides that were just pissed on and died. Um, several well, shots yeah. that, that died, just completely died over the outfield and got caught the warning track. Uh, your Don had a couple. Um, Tucker had one. Um, Diaz had one. That yeah. uh, or that was last series. But um, the the juice balls are coming, and it's going to be the summer of the dingers for sure. Uh, but still, Astros get out of there for nothing, shutting out the Seattle Mariners in back-to-back games. Uh, felt really good to win that series after the series lost to uh, to Toronto, for sure. So, yeah, look, I found it real quick. 325 games, Ryan Howard was the fastest player to hit 100 home runs. So, I mean, I think he could break that record. I honestly think he could break that record. But yeah, we'll it, just have to see. Yeah, it's, it's definitely possible. We should have to see it again. That juice ball summer could help. Uh, game three today wrapped up the series with a afternoon game. JV Day. Mm, the guy is amazing. He's he nuts. Just does. Yeah, he just 39 does it, years old, coming off Tommy John surgery. And he goes six and two-thirds, two earned runs, zero walks, and three strikeouts. Threw 100 pitches for the first time since coming back from Tommy John. And uh, up until he gave up that two-run shot to Suarez in the, in the seventh, he he looked like he was an ace. He looked like a Cy Young candidate again. He's the guy, man. 
Yeah, I mean, shoot. That's what I was telling you. With the three strikeouts, I was like, okay. He usually throws about, you get at least seven, you know, right. being the minimum of strikeouts he's thrown. But three strikeouts against these Mariners. Like I said, Mariners were hitting, you know, the ball, just soft contact or even hard contact to the position players. But, I mean, JV is just continuing to show that he is still that dude. He is still that ace. And, um, yeah, it's just one of them things that we love to see, especially getting back JV from that 2020 injury from um, from that Seattle. And that was against Seattle, too, when yep. he had the first game of that season. It was against Seattle. So, um, yeah, great to see him come back, dude. Yep, for sure. And uh, we saw the bats kind of come to life today, scoring seven runs uh, in, in a variety of ways. Um, we saw Brantley come through with with a big RBI double. Yuli come through with a big RBI double. Um, Alvarez had an RBI. I mean, we, we, we had the guys swinging the bats today really, really well, and that, that's really encouraging uh, as we step forward here. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you forgot even Alex Bregman. Three for three yeah, with three yeah, RBIs. Oh, geez, yeah. Um, yeah, Jason um, Castro got a hit. Oh, I know. Shit, that, that average is going up from 45 to 50-something probably. It's but, a, he, um, he's at 0.77 right now. Oh, even better. See, he's in the 70s now. So we're, we're, we'll get over that 100 soon. But uh, Yuli Gurriel being the king of the two-baggers, man. I mean, every, every it's like almost every game he's hitting the ball, and it's an automatic double. Um, Michael Brantley going two for four with that double. Um, yeah, that ball should have been a home, but it, I mean, it was just too hard to tell if it was. Uh, it literally hit over when, that yellow line. When well, the when boxes. they when they replayed, I know you were at the game. I was watching it, and when they when they did the replay, it was it very clearly hit off of the yellow line and bounced back in play, which is you know obviously so live ball. Yeah. Uh, but, but when he first hit it, I thought it hit the, like the rail on the, the inside rail. of exactly. the boxes. And I, I was like, Oh my God, that that's a home run. Uh, and, but when they replayed it and they zoomed in, you could definitely tell that it, it hit the yellow bounced right back off into left field. Uh, but still it, it, it was a, a good hit. Good to see Brantley swinging the bat like that. Um, set the stage for Jordan to come through with a single and score Altuve. And, <laughs> Altuve, even first, even being on base in the first place, right there. Yep, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that was hard, especially taking one off. You know, the the soft area for us guys out there. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah I, mean, I, mean, I think mean, every every guy is just was like, oh god, God bless you, Jose Altuve. Because I mean, he fouled that straight off the bat and straight to his junk, and and you know he was hurting. Uh, but to get back up, stand in the batter's box, get a single, and then come around and score. Give it up for the man, and I, I, I'm not super worried. The Astros, the Astros didn't provide any comment after the game. There was no further update. Uh, he did come out of the game after that half inning with a right groin injury, is what they said. But shit, I'd want the, the rest of the day off. I'd have been laid up in bed with a bag of frozen peas <laughs> for the rest of the evening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all know how that feels, especially you know, <laughs> in a baseball standpoint. Um, but yeah, I won't be surprised if Dusty gives him a day off tomorrow. We'll see, you know, what he decides to do about Altuve doing with that. But great, you know, overall, great, great series win against the Seattle Mariners. Only holding to two runs, like you said, with JV always giving up a long ball every game. I don't know why, but, I mean, that's always JV. It's always, yeah, it's always JV doing that. But to give up two runs against the Seattle team, that's probably, they're predicted, I'm pretty sure, to at least get a wild card spot. Yeah. I mean, it was great to see that bounce back series from Seattle when we only had one. We only had taken one game, and that one game was against was with JV on the mound against the Mariners. So um, three game sweep, love to see it, and um, hopefully it takes on into that Tiger series with AJ Hinch homecoming. Yeah, and, and honestly, Seattle's going through a bit of a rough stretch. This road trip, they had to go all the way out to Miami before coming to Houston. They are three for seven over their last, or three and seven over their last ten. So they're they're kind of, they're kind of limping a little bit right now, but still, you got to take care of those division rivals when they're down. And the Astros have struggled with that the last couple years of taking advantage of those moments, um, and and they've given up those moments to division rivals when they shouldn't. Uh, but but they took advantage of it today and, and made it happen. And this whole series definitely feeling good uh, as we move forward. So, speaking of moving forward, the Astros are one and a half games back from the Angels atop the AL West, uh, inching back two games over over 500 now. 
and we have the Detroit Tigers, excuse me, three games above 514 and 11 now. Uh, with, with the Tigers coming to town tomorrow, they will play Thursday, Friday, Saturday in Houston. The Tigers are 8-15, and 15, tied for last in the AL Central, uh, coming into Houston on, 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 a, on a road trip. And what are you expecting to see out of this series overall? Scrappy, I would describe it with one word. Yeah. Um, it's any team, like we have talked about, you know, in the other podcasts, that we have struggled with under 500 teams. And they know they have a guy over there that knows us better than anybody in this game right now, and that's Mr. AJ Hinch. Um, that's going to be a well, a well welcoming for this man coming back into the H. And um, yeah, I, I, that's one word to describe. It's going to be scrappy with these guys. They could hit. They got you know speed, the glove, um, young pitching prospects, even you know some veterans in there. So it's going to be very interesting. Um, seeing these guys come into play yeah and, and i think you know especially last after last year we struggled versus the tigers we were two and five against them um in, in our in our season series last year we obviously had a had a rough trip up to up to detroit lost lost too many games uh that, that we should have won a couple of close games in there uh but having them come to our place coming off this big series win uh, i definitely agree it will be scrappy but i think this is definitely a series that we can Hopefully, build continue to build some momentum off of it as we head deeper into May here. And game one tomorrow night at or tonight at, at seven o'clock, we have Jose Arquidi on the mound. He is two and one with a five point nine five ERA. Uh, I believe that's good for worst starter ERA on the Astros right now, um, which is a, a bit of a concern. He's going up against yeah. Tariq Skubal, a left-handed pitcher for the Tigers, who is one and two on the season with a three oh five ERA. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good you know game one. Screwball, has, I mean he did good last year I think too, at, at some point of the series, but um, yeah, Jose Arquidi is gonna be one of those guys to prove himself to be able to you know get that ERA down and hopefully I mean you've seen you know a two one record that shows the offense you know is behind him but regardless he just has to have a better outing uh, coming tonight for sure. Uh, and Scooball last year he had 29. This is his third season. He was a 2020 call up. Um, he had 29 starts last year. Put up a 4.34 ERA. Uh, he's got a 94 mile an hour fastball that he he relies on most heavily. Uh, and he's got a, a bit of an assortment of breaking balls. He likes to to play against the lefties. But last year he kicked our ass. Last year we went to Detroit in June. He went seven. He went seven innings pitch, one hit. One earned run, and I believe that was a Miles Straw home run, was our only run of that game. Wow. Uh, three walks and nine strikeouts. So he kind of had his way with the Astros last year, and hopefully we can uh, answer a little bit better today. We have one of his former teammates, Nico Gudrum, uh, on the team now, uh, for what that's worth. Uh, yeah, that'll be an interesting game one matchup. Not really, not entirely sure what to expect, but like you said, it, it, it all comes back to how quality of a start we can get out of Arquiti for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of one of the improve it uh, games for him as well. Just like coming back from the uh, Otos, you know, he was going 0-2, and, and now he's 2-2, two and two, I want to say. Yep. Getting good, two great starts. Um, I could say the same for Jose Arquiti. I think he's going to come try to give five innings or even six innings. Um, the command on his changeup just needs to be a little bit better. Uh, cutter, fastball, all those um, accessories and tools that he got so it just needs to come and um, just get a good start from him. Yeah, and, and I think Arquiti too, there's a little bit of a pressure there to perform because, you know, we mentioned earlier going back down to a five-man rotation or in a month when Lance McCullers hopefully is, is back with the team. If you're just going off the most recent starts right now, Arquiti's the guy that you send to the bullpen. Yeah. Just, I mean, just going yeah. off of what, we, what we've seen in the last week and a half. So getting a, him getting a good start, going deep, not giving up a lot of hits, not giving up a lot of runs, uh, is going to be big for his future. Yeah, vamos, Elore. You you got to do something. You got to do something, and um, we're all behind you. We've seen the offense been behind you too as well. Um, so uh, it's going to be a great. I honestly think he'll have a great start tonight, and um, you know, continue that streak going through uh, the next game. Yep. 
So on Friday night, the Astros Friday night fireworks. Uh, Luis Garcia is on the mound. He's one and one with a 4.15 ERA. I feel like his ERA is deceptive. Um, he had a couple of his games. He got kind of tatted up late, and it was in his last start, I believe. He just left some guys on, and uh, Abreu let uh, Abreu or Maton, one of those guys, gave up the hit that ran him in. Obviously, the run still charged to him, but overall, we, we've seen pretty solid, consistent outings from Garcia. Um, so hopefully he can he can work that ERA down a little bit. Um, and he's going up against Bo Brisky. This guy's a rookie. He's 0-1 with a 360 ERA. Uh, and hopefully this is a guy that we can jump all over early. He's a rookie making a road start. Hopefully this is someone that, that we can get after and get after early to give Garcia some run support. Yeah, I mean, we got we got after Matt Brash with uh, Seattle, yeah, and he's a rookie too. So let's continue just raking off these rookies and uh, Garcia. Yeah, I agree with you with the Garcia's ERA, and that's I, I didn't really think it was a four fifteen. That's kind of shocking to me. He's he's done good in the beginning, but like you said, when it comes to them late innings of work, um, it gets a little, little, little out of hand. But um, Luis Garcia, I could see it happening. Uh, last year in April, uh, the Tigers got after Zach Greinke. And Garcia came in throwing a four and a third, only giving up two hits, zero uh, runs. So, I mean, he's pitched against these guys already from last year. And it's just hopefully he could transition it from last year's pitching against the Tigers to this coming start. Yeah, yeah. And I think we, we've seen Garcia uh, really shine with, obviously, some, some run support. Um, and getting that for him and getting him out so that he's not pitching in higher leverage situations in those later innings is going to be really, really beneficial for him. Yep, and it starts with the offense too with that yep. being said. so And and hopefully, we, we, you know, the offense is showing signs of life. And we, we, we've said this before, but the Astros go as Altuve goes. Having him back in the lineup, having him, I mean, Altuve comes back in the lineup, we go 3-0 three three and and versus the, the yeah. Mariners, you know. Uh, I, I think the Astros are un, are now six and zero with the lineup, including Altuve, Brantley, Alvarez, all of our who you consider our number one starters. Starters, yeah. Um, so let's keep that that momentum going. And then in Game Three on Saturday to wrap up the series, we have Framber Valdez versus Erod Eduardo Rodriguez for the, for the Tigers. And Fromber's coming off of a great game against Toronto. He took a no-hitter into the sixth, uh, looked really strong. His command was there. He gave up that that two-run shot to Bo Bichette that would eventually be the difference maker and got him a loss. So his record's sitting at 1-2 and two with a 3.43 ERA. But honestly, Fromber's looked good over the, his last couple starts. But, you know, Fromber's that guy where you really don't really know what you're going to get out of him. And that's that's frustrating at times, but you know, it's the roll of the dice, I guess. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, today watching them warm up, uh, he was in with the playing catch and you know talking with the guys, all everybody smiling, having fun. Um, so hopefully, you know, on Saturday, not Saturday, is it Saturday when he plays yeah. against Erod? Yeah. So um, yeah, hopefully he could come and get that shut him down and. Just continue to have that success that he had last outing with the Toronto Blue Jays. If you could take a no-hitter against a playoff-caliber team like that, I don't see why not we can't transition that against the Tigers that are second uh, tied for last place, you know, in the American League. Yep, and then and then on Sunday we have game four of the series. Uh, it's a Sunday afternoon game, 1.10 p.m. first pitch. Odorizzi's on the mound. We don't know. The Tigers have not named their probable starter for Sunday. Um, not entirely sure who they're going to try out there. I know Casey Mize got sent to the EL today, to, to the EL to the IL today. So that's part of why um, Detroit's probably trying to decide who they're going to pull out of the bullpen to go into that starting position. Uh, but we'd love to see Odo continue his little little renaissance he's had. Yeah. So I mean, he's been he's been doing good. His last two starts, not giving up any runs. And allowing just a little small amount of hits, but yep. Odo's been being being able to go through that third part of the lineup, having that confidence and going with and Dusty having that confidence in him too shows and helps that p- player's ability to continue rolling through that lineup and dicing these guys up. So yeah, let's continue 
to get another quality start from Odo, and hopefully he gets another win. Yep, and so Sunday, hopefully we you know we can take care of business and look back on on, on a series win. On and Mother's then, Day too. Uh, yeah, on Mother's Day, and then on It'll Monday the Astros finally get a day off on on May on May ninth. Yeah, that's a it's a well needed oh, shoot seven eight nine about t- almost twenty games of sh- baseball. Just straight up baseball and yeah, being able think... to have that day off just to relax. But that day off is probably going to be a traveling day for them too because they head to yeah. uh, Minnesota. Yeah, and I, I'm looking. At, I don't think we've had a day off until, up until this point since April 11th, uh, and then they don't get another one for uh, I think two weeks after that. So that'll be a, that'll be a good day to kind of get some rest. Um... Yeah, April 21 was their last day off, but oh, yeah, yes, I mean yeah, it's, it's, it it almost feels like April 11th though. You it, can't it lie about that. It, it They've does. been playing a lot of baseball, but uh, yeah, just being able to have that day off just to recuperate and get that body recover and uh, have another great series against uh, the hot Minnesota Twins. Yes, absolutely. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get into our Astros roundup. Something we've talked about in the past in the past couple weeks or past couple episodes. Uh, is the bullpen and kind of some inconsistency that we've seen there and hoping to get them back into form. And hopefully we got some help on the way with Ryan Presley. He's on a rehab assignment with Sugarland. We mentioned this on the last episode that Dusty had said it was probably going to be one or two games just to kind of see how it's going. Uh, he played on Tuesday night for the Sugarland Space Cowboys, and he only needed six pitches to retire the side in that rehab outing, which obviously is a good sign uh, for, for Presley. No official decision has been made they haven't uh reactivated him yet but it looks like we're trending toward getting him back sooner rather than later Uh, and i'd hope that at the very least we can have him back for the road trip to minnesota and beyond yeah i mean hopefully he could come back um only you know that's that's interesting only doing six pitches to retire the side but of course that's triple a that's a whole different league from the mlb especially Um, for a closer yeah, especially for a closer to not even go at the ninth inning sometimes too because I want to say his first game, he wasn't even in the ninth inning for a closing situation. But yeah, getting Ryan Presley to come back again to that closing role, giving Hector Neris his uh, setup gig and Ryan Stanek in that seventh inning or Rafael Montero. Um, yeah, that bullpen's going to be really better when Ryan Presley comes back. And I think it's like, it's like Altuve with the offense. I think Presley with the bullpen as well. I think it's going to do be a big game change yeah and you know like before before he went on the il we were kind of talking his velocity seemed a little off his command wasn't quite as sharp as it usually is but i mean then we figured out that he had he had this nagging injury so hopefully um he's taking the time to get that under control and, and he can be even better once he comes back yeah definitely it'd be nice to see him coming on his first game into the mlb and uh, being able to shut it down Absolutely. So, also, like we mentioned this earlier, Dusty Baker gets his 2000th win. And, and what a great moment for Dusty. You know, you could tell that he was trying. He, he's, he's very humble. He's a very humble man. Uh, but you, you could tell how happy he was to reach that milestone. The 12th manager ever to hit 2000 wins. The first black manager to do so. Uh, we, we give Dusty a lot of flack as, as Astros fans, but... Yeah. We talked about this the other day that, you know, really at the end of the day, we're, we're really lucky to have had him uh, here in Houston. And, and he's been a good, solid manager for us through some pretty tough times for the Astros and took us to the World Series, took us a game away from the World Series and, and could could take us again this year. You know, it, it's a good moment for the franchise. Yeah, just, yeah, like you said, a good moment for the franchise. Um, 11 out of 12 managers from the 2000 win club. Well, right now Bruce Bo- Bruce Bochy hasn't been eligible for uh, for the Hall of Fame yet. So when he gets that call, he'll probably get into Cooper's, Cooperstown. But yeah, Dusty getting two thousand wins as a manager, and I think he's like the fourth coach slash player ever to do this accomplishment. So Joe Torre was being the last. It's it's a huge accomplishment for Dusty, and it looked like. You know, when you get an accomplishment like that, you do not want to tear up. You don't want to, you know, lots of mixed emotions. You go through your head, go through your body. And and, um, being able to see them, see the guys pop up a bottle of champagne for him. And, you know, after that, the media talks to him. He has the bottle 
of wine just signed by all the players congratulating him on his 2000 win um today at the baseball game uh mayor sylvester turner had given him may 4th as proclaiming as dusty baker day in the city of houston and then and yeah and then a beautiful video montage um from dusty's whole career of managing and even playing um you saw steve garvey you saw joe torrey tony la russa uh other former players as bryce harper joey vado uh, some of the Astro players giving him that congrats. And then the best one, I think, of all from that last thing was uh, his son being able to, you know, say how proud he is of him being his dad. And uh, that, that kind of touched me. I was like, wow, that that really hit me. I'm not even related to any of them. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, D- just a huge accomplishment for Dusty. And then for his son to hit a walk-off hit that night when he collected his 2000 win i mean baseball is just a beautiful sport it's a magical sport you just you just don't know what's gonna happen in this game but um yeah dusty congratulations man speaking of baseball being magical and poetic and all that great stuff i saw this today came from uh michael schwab on twitter if you're on astros twitter you probably follow schwab you probably have a strong opinion one way or the other on michael schwab uh but he had this tweet today which is really cool on a Tuesday night in 1993, Dusty Baker got his first win as a manager, like you said, for the Giants. There was a Pena, Jeremy's dad, in the opposing team's lineup. On a Tuesday night, 29 years and 2,000 wins later, there was a Pena again in a lineup. Father and son with two hits each, 29 years apart. And that was awesome. When I saw that today, I was like, holy shit, that, like, that is baseball. That's why we keep coming back to the sport because it just gives and gives and gives yeah that's just magical right there like you said i mean for his dad to play what what it was against correct he was playing with the cardinals when dusty was with the giants managing that day when he got his first win i think uh, it was i think i, so. I could that be wrong right. i yeah i could be wrong but uh yeah i mean that's that's baseball right there that is crazy I mean, to have your dad play against Dusty Baker in 1993 and then you're playing for <laughs> Dusty Baker. I mean, it's just beautiful. And then uh, I saw another tweet with Danielle uh, Lerner. She had said Justin Verlander was talking to Dusty Baker after Miguel's Cabrera 3000 hit and asked Dusty about the biggest milestone he's seen. And he goes on to say he goes... Well, I saw Hank Aaron break Babe Ruth's record, and I saw Barry Bonds break Hank Aaron's record. I mean, that Dusty Dusty has been a part of the game so long. He invented the freaking handshake too. The high five. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the handshake, the high five. Yeah, my mistake. What's crazy is he was standing in the dugout for both of those. He was on deck for Aaron's home run, and he was in the dugout managing for Bonds. That's nuts. I hadn't I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I mean, but. Yeah, huge accomplishment for Dusty. Uh, being able to take this team when it was oh during that 2019. And even fans had speculated about, you know, oh, I don't know about getting Dusty. I was I, not, mean, with, I, I was very anti-Dusty. I, I know. I was, yeah, I was anti-Dusty too. I wanted Jeff Bannister or uh, Buck Showalter at the time. But, um, you know, he just reversed our picks. And look at that. He took us to two ALCSs. One was going into a World Series. Like you said, one went away from going to the World Series in 2020. Um, so, I mean, I would hope we could get him a World Series wing as a coach because I heard today he was a World Series champion. I guess he was for the uh, Dodgers when he was playing for them. But, yeah, I mean, great accomplishment, huge accomplishment. You know, once again, Dusty, congrats from us here at the pod. Yeah. We'll send Dusty a full seam of head sticker for his laptop. Oh, definitely. He's going to need one after he retires. And, hey, you know, maybe he'll put in his wine scenery. I, yeah, oh, yeah. I love every time the Astros play a day game at home, even with the roof closed, that Dusty always has his sunglasses on. I don't know why that makes me laugh, but no one else is, no one else is wearing MLB, sunglasses. I know. Except Dusty. <laughs> and like you said, in an indoor stadium too, when the roof's closed and everything, yeah. where's the sun coming from? And like, I mean, I, I guess, guess it's the lights. A little bit of a glare, I guess, but no, still, I, I, it's not that bright inside Minute Maid during a day game. Uh, but it's it's funny, it's, it's like his him him with his latex gloves last year during COVID. 
Oh, yeah, and then he wasn't able to chew the toothpick or anything like that, but now yeah. he gets to do the toothpick this year. Yeah, it's bad. But, yeah, it, it's um, that's one of them baseballs, too, I'm trying to get for him to autograph. I would love oh, to yeah. get his autograph. And that, I don't know, any old-school signature is just beautiful to me. I mean, Hank Aaron, Reggie Jackson, uh, Dusty Baker, for one, has a great signature. Houston, just the Houston old Astros school. legend, Reggie Jackson. Oh, yeah, Houston Astros, not New York Yankee man no, over there. not Oakland um, Athletic, Houston Astros legend. Yes, yes, but um, them guys have some great signatures, and, you know, being able to get Dusty would be a, a great one for my collection of um, autograph memorabilia that I got in my little, you know, man cave, I guess you could say. For sure. Well, moving on around the Astros, obviously we, we talked about this earlier. Altuve took a ball right off of his no-no zone in today's game. We'll see how that plays out. The Astros did not provide a further update or comment after the game uh, per Brian McTaggart. So hopefully we'll see. Uh, like I think, like you said, it would be likely for him to give, for Dusty to give him a day off. Uh, I think we're probably going to slow play Altuve a little bit coming back from that hamstring injury anyway. Um, so add that up and, and it, it sounds like a, like a day off tomorrow. Um, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um I would be interested if, if he's off tomorrow, putting if putting Chaz back in the leadoff role. Um, he, he did not have a great offensive series. I think he only had one hit um, against the Mariners. I know he did not play in Game 2, uh, series started. But uh, Chaz was thriving in that leadoff role on, the, on that last road trip versus the Rangers and the Blue Jays. So maybe putting him back up there. And obviously, his firm spot's not at the top of the lineup. Uh, but I don't know. Just would be interesting. Yeah, I think it give him a little, you know, boost too in his confidence. Some people, you know, when you go from first to last in the lineup, it kind of like, oh, okay, you know, here again. But you know, when Altuve comes back, regardless, it's gonna happen. You're gonna go back in the last of the lineup, right? The lineup, but we'll see what happens. Maybe Chaz gets the call to be, you know, lead off tomorrow, or Jeremy Pena. Like I said, Dusty, Dusty with the lineups. It, you just don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah, and then, and then and then Bregman going three for three today was nice. He's kind of faltered a little bit um, over the last week or two. I, I I don't know. I everybody, myself included, I really got caught up in the Bregman is back hype at the beginning of the season, and he's kind of been hot and cold since then. Um, but today, his first three hit game of of the season, definitely a good sign that he still got it. Yeah, I mean he's batting two forty seven right now. Um, I was at the game, and you know, when he comes up to bat, we always hear that "Wanna Be a Baller" shot caller. Oh yeah, you know, oh you know, Houston Legend song right there, and he comes up to Blake Shelton, and I was like, okay, this is not "I Wanna Be a Baller." You, know, this is not, and I know country music because I listen to country music, and I was like, is this Blake Shelton? I'm like. It's God's country, right? And sure enough, it was God's country and goes three for three with a three RBI game and player of the game, I'm pretty sure. So, uh, Breggs, we might have to stick with God's country with Blake Sean, man. And something with country songs might get you going. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. And hopefully he continues to, you know, hit the ball. Yeah, and, and funny you say player of the game because I think Bregman's a good candidate. But I think the real candidate, the real player of the game today was Justin Verlander as he continues his dominance this season. Over his last five starts, Verlander over 32 and two-thirds innings pitched. He's allowed 19 hits, seven runs, only given up four walks, and collected 31 strikeouts. He has given up four home runs, as we said. Always, he's he's a merchant for he's giving the up king. one or two per start. <laughs> yep. uh, but yep. he's, he, he's sitting at a 1.93 ERA. And uh, he he's just looking fantastic. He he came back, and there's I know there's obviously a lot of concern and rightful concern of a, of a almost 40 year old coming back from Tommy John that late in his career, as far as what that recovery is going to look like, what that bounce back is going to look like. But I, I think he's blown away all expectations. Yeah, and a lot of teams. I remember uh, whenever he had that little um, throwing session to perform in front of teams. A lot of teams were kind of iffy about bringing him back. Like you said, 40 years old, being an age, and then Tommy John surgery, you know, coming off of that. And he took a – Jim Crane gave him an offer, and hopefully – and I remember it was between us and the New York Yankees. Ugh. 
And I couldn't, like, I was like, please, God, no, do not let the Yankees get this guy. Because first we gave away Garrett Cole to the Yankees. Now to see JV with our 1-2 starters from 2019 to go to the New York Yankees. Please, God, no. And, uh, oh, I mean, shoot, he comes to Houston on a two-year deal and just coming back like he just never land, uh, left us. It just, oh, yeah. It's just beautiful. But uh, after the game, raked in the AL, he's ranked sixth in ERA with a 1.93, tied for fourth in wins with three wins, ranked eighth in strikeouts, I like I said, with 31 strikeouts. Like I said, too, um, he only had three strikeouts this game against Seattle, and usually yeah. he has a minimum of seven. But um, but yeah, it just happens. That's baseball. Rank and six and oh, that's his. That's the Mariners too. You know. That's, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, rank six and opponent opponents batting average with point one seven one, and then leads the AL with WHIP with zero point seven zero. So JV is looking like a Cy Young candidate right now. So I'm gonna ask you this, and this is an early prediction, of course. Is he a favorite to win? another AL Cy Young uh, award in 30, you know, in the 39 years of age that he's at right now. Man, at this point, I, I don't know who else you, you would look at. I mean, I know there's still obviously some guys um, that you have around the league that, that are performing well, uh, but there's it's still at that point where we haven't really established the cream of the crop yet. Uh, I think... Obviously, Verlander is doing fantastic. Kevin Gossman for Toronto is looking incredible. Um, obviously, he, he pitched extremely well versus the Astros on, on Sunday, uh, going going full seven innings deep, uh, only giving up one run. Uh, I would say he's probably my favorite for, for the Cy Young in, in the AL right now. Uh, but Verlander is right up there. He, he's right up there in the American League um, for guys that, that have that potential. But as the season goes on, and we're, and we're looking at such a small sample size from the starts from a lot of these guys, so we'll see that continue to continue to develop. Um, but yeah, I I don't I don't know. He he's definitely in that conversation. Yeah, I mean they predicted Garrett Cole being one of um you know the favorites, and that's almost every freaking year. It's either either it's either a freaking Yankee or a Dodger player being a favorite of something, and then of course the outcomes later on through the year doesn't happen. So um, for him to show right now at this age and coming back off Tommy John, hopefully everything continues to go well. You know, rehabbing and progressing. He this is the first or second game he's gone over a hundred pitches. So yeah, he, he finished with one. one. Yeah, so he finished with one hundred one today. And, um, I mean, he's still looking good as a 39-year-old guy. I mean, we cannot emphasize that much of his age because you see a lot of pitchers regress through that yep. time. You know, it's like the mid or, you know, high 30s when it comes to people regressing from their age. But uh, JV, I, I personally, this is my prediction, I think he could be a good and an, he can add another AL Cy Young into his historic career if i would say for sure and, and another one of those guys that that's doing really well right now is logan gilbert who we faced i think last time we were in seattle on, on the road trip at the beginning of the season but he's four and oh yeah with a 6.64 era dude i mean yeah that's so crazy yeah he and he, he's only allowed two home runs i mean i mean he's up there he's one of those guys as well again i know gosman's numbers aren't jumping off the page but he just he, he's looked so dominant um that I, I could definitely see him taking that step. And again, it's a long season. Gilbert's a sophomore, you know, um, yeah. versus Gosman and, and Justin Verlander, who, who are more seasoned veterans. But we'll see how that how that progresses. But overall, it's part of a greater trend of, of starting pitching for the Astros, going through a pretty dominant stretch here. Uh, we talked about Arquiti's struggles. There's been plenty talked about Jake Odorizzi's um, rough start to the season. Both the addition of Christian Javier, the Astros rotation, since we've moved to the six-man rotation, uh, is looking damn good. Man, it's looking scary, actually, honestly. Um, for this series, I mean, I'm going to read some stats from the starting pitching combined with Odo, Javier, and JV. So they went 18 and two-thirds of innings pitch, 11 hits, three walks, two earned runs from the two earned runs that was given from uh, JV, 10 strikeouts. 
So it was, I mean, starting pitching has been dominating, dude. And that's one thing that we need to continue doing until we could get a healthy Lance McCullers. And being able to give Lance McCullers, too, that ability to come back slowly and not rushing to come back. Yes. Because we're going to need him in that late, after the All-Star game, we're going to need him going down the stretch into the postseason and into the fall classic. So, uh, but it's a great sign for starting pitching. Even bullpen from this series, I'm going to name, like I said, Kabine, Stanek, Mashinsky, Blake Taylor, Phil Maton, Brian Abraid to uh, Hector Neris and Rafael Montero. Bullpen was outstanding this series. Uh, nine and two thirds innings pitch, three hits, two walks, eight strikeouts. Zero earned runs. Yeah. So um, that's a great sign from the bullpen with, like I said, Presley being out. And then when Presley comes back, I mean, we're going to continue to add more tools into our box in our toolbox and um, seeing a good trend with the pitching staff that's going right now. And I remember saying in the beginning, you know, I, I'm c- coming out with this same breath. Strong was the biggest loss in free agency. It's just coming to prove me out, uh, proving me wrong right now. And, um, yeah, Astros pitching is ranked right now, I think, six in MLB. Just behind the New York Mets for the top five with a 3.23 ERA from our starter pitching. So it's it's looking good for these guys to continue into that upwards trend of uh, pitching and dominating. So if we could just get that offense continue consistently and everything like that, we're going to be a dangerous team coming in. Absolutely, and, and and sticking with the six man rotation, I think you know really if we can if we can keep that going and get Lance McCullers back, and stick with that six man rotation, giving our starters that extra day of rest, go a little deeper, take the pressure off our bullpen, uh, that could be a really nasty combination as we as we move into the summer months. Yeah, definitely. But like we're talking about pitching, continuing to dominate and. Hopefully it continues to do that trend after this series against Detroit and continuing on through the month of May. Absolutely. So that is it for our Astros Roundup. If you have anything that you would like to see added to the Astros Roundup, shoot us a tweet at full seam ahead. We will gladly feature you on our on our next pod talking about the news and updates from around the league. If there's anything around the Astros, if there's anything you see throughout the week, tag us in it. We'd love to talk about it. Uh, on the episode you know where to find us again on twitter at at full seam ahead so let's go ahead and move into our around the league segment and we're going to start off with a sad story a sad story of a little team by the bay with a storied history several world series rings they do have an ugly ass stadium but some of the best uniforms in major league baseball in my opinion and this team has no fan support and it is the saddest thing i have ever seen the oakland athletics the oakland athletics are turning in like 50 guys showing up to watch their games every every game and it's heartbreaking honestly like it makes me it makes me feel bad for the players i don't even like the a's i hate the a's but i honestly feel bad for these guys that they're going out there to compete and perform at a high level and no one cares no one is there to watch them play well, if you remember with us, I mean, back in the 2010s, oh, yeah. 2011, 2012s, I mean, we were, God, we were garbage. I mean, there was hardly people coming. I remember I used to buy a ticket for like $6 oh, yeah. from the upstairs and just going downstairs in the first inning pitch. Yeah, you could just buy tickets at walk up and walk right yeah. in and down to the, yeah. behind the dugouts. Basically. But, I mean, I read a tweet from today on Twitter from uh, Ace Fans Radio. And apparently this is why it could be a protest too coming, you know, with what the A's want to do, either try to relocate into a new city or they're, they're still fighting for a new stadium, which they really need a new stadium because playing at that Oakland Coliseum, it's just God awful. I mean, the Oakland Raiders already left to see another, you know, historic Oakland team leave that. I mean, I would hate as an Oakland fan to be in that situation. But oh, going to the tweet, you know, he's they had said double ticket prices. So we've seen a lot of this too with the Astros. I mean, ticket prices right now have been high up there. I mean, you can't say nothing about that because of COVID and everything like that from the last past two years. Uh, blown up roster, removed fan benefits and amenities, and threatened to move. Of course, that was the biggest thing. You know, wanted to go to Las Vegas, or traveling to another city, 
But yeah, I absolutely agree. You, I I feel bad for these Oakland players. Tony Kemp, which is a former Astro, you had got traded to Oakland. Love you, Tony. And yeah, we kept keeping it easy and everything like that. But um, yeah, very heartbreaking for them, Oakland A's fans. I feel sorry, but at the same time, I don't. From all the shit talking that we received from yeah, no. the 2019 scandal of everything and um yeah um and it's crazy because i think they're they have low low record attendance and right now we are seeing the cincinnati reds that are three and 20 and i'm pretty sure they got better fan support than the oakland a's uh, yeah so um sorry to hear that oakland but uh it's crazy yeah go I, ahead I, I see the ticket prices so i'm i'm going out there i'll be in in, in oakland uh, for the game on I think June second, uh, it's a, it's a Wednesday. It's the conclusion of a series we're playing out there. It's a Wednesday game that is at twelve thirty in the afternoon, and I've seen the pictures. There's no one there on Friday night games. There's three thousand people in the entire stadium, and like for it to get in the door and for a first like lower bowl price, it's like sixty bucks. Which, I mean, obviously compared to the Astros, is still is cheap, but also like come on. So I'm gonna buy a freaking standing room ticket and walk down there, and you know, there's, there's not gonna be anyone there, and you're gonna be able to hear me on TV, um, cause ain't nobody gonna be there cheering for the Athletics, that's for sure. But I yeah, really I mean, I, the Astros broke the A's in 2020. Definitely. I mean, I think that's where it started. I mean, from I there. mean, they were really they they were a team on the come up. They had the guys. They had Chapman and Olsen and Manea. They had a, a, a decent core that they could have built around it, and they win the AL West in a shortened COVID season. And they're talking all this shit, and then we knock them out of the ALDS, and then it all goes downhill from there. It, it's yeah. oh my god. I think it was that tweet that started too. Oh yeah. And yeah, and just. As an Astros fan, you'd love to see it because, like I said before, they were talking all that crap and all that shit about us with the scandal and everything like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing you on live TV with a standing room ticket going all the way down. I mean, I'm pretty sure it'll be only 50 people out there if it's especially <laughs> a day game. Oh, yeah. So, so it should be interesting. But um, moving on to... The shittiest team in baseball and the shittiest fan base in baseball, um, the New York Yankees. I mean, God, they're still they're still hot. I know. Uh, Lose. They, yeah, please. Gosh, we're, we're tired of seeing that winning streak. Oh, the winning streak came to an end today. I forgot. Yeah. Um, they take two from uh, Toronto, giving Toronto their first series loss. And I think the Mets are the only team now that hasn't lost a series. But um, the biggest story out of that series was seeing a Blue Jays fan catching a Aaron Judge home run ball in left field and then gives it to a a young New York Yankees fan, a little kid. And, I mean, his favorite player obviously was Judge when he saw his shirt that said uh, Aaron Judge's name with his number on it and gives that Toronto Blue Jays fan a big, huge hug. I mean, that that's beautiful. Yeah, that uh, a that's cool a beautiful thing. moment in MLB. And then... Yesterday, he got to be able to meet Aaron Judge personally, him and that fan that gave him the ball. Uh, Aaron Judge, I want to say, gave him a pair of batting gloves, a signed baseball. And the Toronto Blue Jays gives that uh, Toronto fan that gave that little kid the ball a signed autographed jersey. And do you want to take a gander at who was that player that signed it? I'm going to guess star man George Springer. Dude, George fucking Springer. Springer Dinger. Um, has a warm heart, and we know that in Houston. Oh yeah. And and for all the crap that we continue to see from everybody giving us crap about the scandal, and these players are horrible and booing and cheering when they get hit by a pitch, and they don't see the little small things what our team does. Jose Altuve is the biggest advocate we see. Carlos Correa, when he was with Houston. And George Springer being able to give this guy an autograph signed jersey, personally coming off his back, yeah, pretty cool. When he plays, so I mean, it's 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 good things like that. We love to see, you know, former Astro players doing good. Um, you can even add Tony Kim to that list too. Tony's a re- really great guy. I remember whenever I won the Grand Slam uh, scholarship from the Astros, that was the first person I met 
was him and he was lucky i was lucky enough to get a picture and an autographed baseball from him but great things from great human beings are just them are never the spotlight when it comes to baseball yeah but um, but those are always the cool things about our game that just make it so special definitely and people think baseball is just boring and all that stuff but people don't see the the smiles and the good things that come out of it oh yeah uh, well, not to, not to change the subject to a, a sadder nature here, but you mentioned this a second ago. The Cincinnati Reds, man. It's rough. Yeah. It <sighs> is three, yeah. rough, rough, rough. The the Reds are now 3-21. and nine, three and 21, Excuse me. They lost today to the Brewers, or yesterday to the Brewers, 18-4. to four. Yeah. And yeah, the Brewers, that's bad. the Brewers tacked on nine runs in the seventh and the eighth combined. Uh, you know what that puts the Reds on pace for? I know over a hundred games lost, big time. A hundred and forty-seven losses. Wow, that that has to be a record if they do. Oh, break that, that would honestly. absolutely be the record by I think like thirty games. I mean, I, you know, baseball is weird. We could see the Reds somehow rattle off a little win streak here and there and they're probably not going to lose 140 games just because like the statistical probability of that is pretty low but uh this could be a team that's in the running for the um most losing franchise most losing team in in any season that that record they they could be coming for and you really you got to feel for reds fans man because they were another team kind of like the a's that a couple years ago you looked at them, and they had the potential to to take a step. They had a couple of guys to build around, uh, but they're not there anymore. You know, yeah, with, I mean, with Castellanos and Winker gone, and Naquin is hurt all the time. Like, it's just not going to happen. They, you know, and it stinks because I, there's something about the Reds that I I just like, and I I, I tend to root for. But three and twenty one, that is rough. Yeah, the big red machine ain't playing like the big red machine back in them days in the nope. 70s and 80s. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like you said, they had Nick Castellanos, Jesse Winker, Eugenio Suarez. Uh, they still got Luis Castillo. Sonny Gray's gone. All these all-star caliber players that they have, dude. I'm, and it's just going away. I believe they were second or third in uh, one of the standings, I want to say previously in, 20, in the 2021 season or twenty. 20 season and just to see that all fall apart and now they're three and 21 it's it's a gut-wrenching especially for joey Votto. that's been a long time reds player and i could see him moving in the trade deadline and you know majority of their kind of veteran players that they have they're probably going to be on a full rebuild after this year just giving away players in the trade deadline and upcoming free agency so, but yeah, sad to see the big red machine ain't playing like the big red machine. Yeah, yeah, it's rough. And then 2020 and 2021, they finished third, right around 500. Um, but half of their top players are, are in different uniforms now. Um, so it, it's tough to build your franchise and, and move forward from there. When, yeah, in, in a situation like that. Exactly. But on another topic. Can we continue? I mean, I'm, I'm, we're not continuing, but obviously, Major League umpires continue the shit show tour of it's bad, bad calls and bad. the strike zone. It's just, I mean, one night it's a missed third strike call from Chris Bassett, and even the home plate umpire even like kind of like point to his chest saying like, "Yeah, my fault. That's on me." At least we get to see that some Blues just don't even do that at all. Um, then the next day. We see Marcel Ozuna having a three-pitch at-bat. All of them were balls. They were not even Every in the strike one. zone. Not, not even close. Even. Not even exactly. debatable. There's, exactly. a margin of, there's a margin of error, and I get that, and I understand that umpires' jobs are, are it's, it's not easy, and that we're often probably too critical, but that, that at-bat from Ozuna was some of the most egregious strike calling I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I'm surprised Troy Snitker didn't even come out of the dugout and argue with that stuff. Even Ozuna kept his patience. I would have lost it. I mean, oh, yeah. three straight balls, and you're calling it a strikeout? That's not even in the freaking uh, strike zone. And no. then to top off the day, we we just see 
you know, the umpires, of course, after a pitcher throws his pitch, they have to fill the hand and only takes two seconds. Well, not in Miami in this case. Uh, Madison Bumgarner is pitching for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And like I said, it just takes two seconds to check the old hand, see if there's any substance, spider tack, uh, boogers and all that crap on it to make the, you know, get a better grip on the baseball. But now we're filling on pitchers' hands for a minute and just watching their sparkly Weird. eyes and yeah just just Weird. let's look into their eyes and let's see what they're looking into uh but Madison Bumgarner was frustrated with the home plate blue just to you know kind of give you the story he was just frustrated with one of the calls that the umpire had given him um the last third strike call that he thought it was a strike it was a ball but he thought it was a strike so after he got the out he comes off the mound and the first base umpire was just waiting for him at the dugout. Of course, he's frustrated with the home plate blue, but he doesn't say anything. Final stats of the game was a one inning pitch, one hit, one earned run, 13 pitches, one freaking inning that he only God. pitches. And um, first, like I said, first base umpire just waiting for him to come and grabs his hand and, you know, see what probably asking Madison, hey, what do you, what kind of moisturizer you put on your hand or what kind of lotion you use? This is Jergens. Yeah, like basically asking what 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 how are your hands so soft and mine's are so hard? I got so many calluses around my fingers. But um, he had to tell Madison. They have to be on Madison Bumgarner's ass for some reason because oh he was he he was gonna throw him out. He was trying to definitely response a hundred percent. Oh, definitely. I mean, but that that MLB has to do better on that because that's kind of bullshit. You can't just try to start something with the starting pitcher and just see what he's gonna do obviously i would be pissed if somebody fell my hand just was staring into my eyes just waiting for me to say something yeah it it's just it, it is an ongoing problem and it's frustrating and it's just part of a greater trend that all baseball fans know the greatest enemy of major league baseball is major league baseball consistently whether yeah. it is messing with the balls Implementing these stupid new rules, refusing to hold umpires accountable, whatever it is, it is Major League Baseball in their own way. It is the governing body of this sport that is making this sport having a harder and harder time catching on and growing and being being fun and being what it could be. And, and it's so frustrating as a baseball fan. I just want to yeah, watch you- baseball. I want to watch yeah. baseball. I yeah. want to watch good baseball. I don't care if the game's four hours long. I want all of baseball in its most pure form. Get out of my way. Exactly. And like you said, with the four hours, I mean, that's the fan's choice. If they want to be there, they're yes. going to be there. If they don't want that's to so be there, you, you can't do nothing about that. But like you said, the shifts banning, um, the ghost runner on second base, um, this is just a, a fire... That's, you know, started with Rob Manford ever since he took over the commissioner's room since Selig, uh left. And it's just been piss poor. I think this has been one of the... I mean, you see Major League Baseball going at a downward trend with NBA going, you know, at first. Even the NFL, dude. The NFL has... Roger Goodell has really screwed up over there with the NFL National Football League. And... um for him to be over MLB, I mean, that got yeah. to say something a lot. And it's with the juicing of the balls and, you know, the less time for a player to, you know, be in the box, um, limiting of uh, mound visits, uh, three. Protect, what, protecting the, your favorite franchise while scapegoating another franchise. Exactly. Not even going with everybody else, but yet you could go with the team that just, it's just it's winning their first World Series, too. I think that's why he gave it to us, Mother Effer. Um, but you know, with the other baseball shit that we have to deal with right now, um, yeah, I, I agree. It's just, it's very frustrating as a baseball fan to see all these things just coming, dude. It's just even MLB TV. I mean, you can't even watch, um, the Astros play away or it's even with Texas too. You can't even watch the Rangers. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's, it's like, we're like not even close to, we're like a four hour, if you drive like a grandpa, you're four hours away from Dallas. Yeah. I mean, it's it's horrific. And why we're going to do a blackout in Dallas? I understand Houston, 
because of course we got AT&T Sportsnet and you know all the other channels. But to be, I mean, we even get Rangers TV here in Houston on uh, on cable, so it's like I don't. I mean, it's it's frustrating. MLB has a huge problem, and I know for a fact players aren't gonna give a shit. Beats headphones is gonna be a great reward for them. Yeah. Shoot. Well, anyway, that is most of what we have today. Do you have anything else you want to add on before we close it out for today? No, but just um, hopefully we get a serious win against our good old friend AJ Hinch. I mean, this man has done a lot for the city, brought us our first World Series. So I I hope uh, Astro fans and Astros Twitter gives them a warm war, uh, well warm welcome to come into Houston. And uh, but hopefully, you know, we're all professionals here. We all we got to come out with a serious win against these guys. Absolutely. Well, that is our show. Remember, give us a follow at Full Seam Ahead on Twitter if you don't already. Tell a friend, tag a friend, share the podcast with them. Uh, give us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Help us get up in those search results so we can reach more Astros fans just like you uh, as we move forward into this season, hopefully toward victory. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you all at the conclusion of the Detroit series on Sunday night. I'll probably release that episode Monday night going into Tuesday before we start that series versus uh, the Twins. But just pay attention to our Twitter. We'll let you know. Thanks, guys. See you, guys.